Hey everyone, Margot and Harjeet here. Welcome to the Bundle of Hers. Hi. Harjeet and I, as well as Lean and Busher, are about to start residency and it is no doubt an unprecedented time to be starting residency. Something I've been thinking a lot about is language barriers in medicine, especially that with my patients and my coworkers. I think it was really important to have this conversation as someone who speaks more than one language and also having my parents receive care um, speaking another language. This was a conversation that I really enjoyed having with you all. Um, I hope you all will enjoy the episode. How are we opening? You could literally the way that you talk to us when you're like, guys. Yeah, yeah, that's- you think that works? It's not going to work. <laughs> I'm listening. <laughs> just start. Okay, yeah, just start. Yeah, I'm starting. So the other day in neurology clinic, um, I had a patient come in and they had interpreters with them. And so, you know, I had my patient chart and I was and I even asked my attending before, I'm like, I think this name might be Arabic. So can I be the interpreter? And she's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, Arabic. I was like, yeah. She's like, of course, go practice your Arabic. So I was like, yes. OK. <laughs> so I have my patient chart. I'm like hand sanitizing and everything, you know, and I knock on the door and I'm like, hi. And I say their name in the most Arab accent I could come up with. And they're like, wait, <laughs> and they're like, you're not American. I was like, well, yeah, I am. But <laughs> it's like I told him, I was like, yeah, I'm actually from Palestine. And they were like, oh, wow, that's that's amazing. And you're a doctor. I'm like, no, but not yet. <laughs> I'm going to be a doctor. And the interpreter was there and she says, oh, maybe you don't need my help or anything. I was like, no, no, you should stay because I realized real fast that I know social Arabic, like social conversational Arabic. But medicinal Arabic was a whole other ballgame. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. But even in English, like we can talk in English. That's fine. And then you get thrown into rounds and they're using all these abbreviations and terms. And you're like, what is happening? I don't know. what I don't know anything. <laughs> I had her stick around and we were just I was gathering a history and everything. And they were all really excited. They're like, here's a female in medicine who speaks Arabic and she's from our culture and she totally gets us. And I was like, and I get you. It was really awesome. It was my pilot episode to my hero story. I've decided. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I'm so excited. I know I'm gonna be a superhero. Just watch. You I know are you told a me this. Um, and so then I left the room. You know, normal. We go on with our day. Um, we're waiting for some labs, and the interpreter comes up to me and she says, um, "Could you sign me out?" And I was like, "No, I can't. Where are you going?" <laughs> She's like, um, "I don't think I have to go to another meeting, and I think you can handle this." I was like, "No, I can't." <laughs> and so the attending's like, "Okay, well, it's all banking on you, right?" So I was like, "Okay." I quickly like Googled a few words just to remember the medical terminology. And so as the doctor was talking and she's writing into the notes, I'm also translating. I'm like, you know, so we're going to have to wait for insurance. We're going to have to do this. I'm like, apologize. I'm like, by the way, sorry. Like, does that make sense? Does this make sense? And and I noticed something I had to catch on real fast was I noticed the difference between direct translating and interpreting because I realized in Arabic, especially when it comes to healthcare problems, where as a community, healthcare things they generally scare us and they're things out of our control. And so we, we turn to religion real fast to these things. And mm-hmm. so in case we suspect this diagnosis, we also added in la Allah, meaning God forbid. After every time I, I told them we're doing this to suspect this diagnosis, I'd have to add also it, God forbids this diagnosis happens, you know, and they would you know, say it behind me like, yeah, yeah, God forbids, God forbids, God forbids. And I was like, you know, you'd never get that by putting that into Google and saying, you know, what is this? Mm-hmm. And then translate, you'd never get that. And I think by doing that, it made them feel like this person, this uh, provider, first of all, she's like she speaks our language and she's acknowledging our faith in that sense. You know, she's acknowledging the powers that we believe are also going to be influencing this patient visit. Mm -hmm. And she's acknowledging that and bringing that into the room with us. And so they didn't feel awkward. 
in that sense they mm-hmm. were very much you know we were all saying it together we're like okay and god forbid this happens and god forbids this happens and hopefully god allows this to happen and for a while i was sitting there, i was like is this allowed am i allowed to bring religion <laughs> you know but then i thought about it i was like but this is actually the cultural context and religious context the way um, this community talks you know mm-hmm. they bring religion to every aspect of their daily lives and so medicine is the one place you're definitely going to bring that in you know even for me when sometimes i'll forget about religion and things and then i go to doctor's office and i'm like giving like three prayers in a row <laughs> It just happens. I mean, when t- in scary times, we tend to turn to mm-hmm. um, faith. And so I wanted to open the question up to the bundle. Mm-hmm. How do you view interpreting versus translating? And how can we do that to bring better, more definitive communication and get closer to our patients to truly understand, you know, their situation and not just say them as a diagnosis, but them who have a diagnosis and them as a whole? So I think that's a very heavy and powerful question, Lean. And I don't think where we're at in medicine right now is equipped to answer that, at least for me and my experiences. I would say that technology has given us a lot of advantages of being able to communicate. And I use the word communicate very intentionally with people through interpreting services that may be in the hospital for commonly spoken languages that are available in the U.S. or in Utah. But there are also apps on iPads that allow us to um, reach out to people who speak less commonly spoken languages and interpret that way. And my experience with those have been subpar. And I'm glad that they exist, but they're not there yet to be able to get to the context and understanding that I think you had such an amazing experience with your patient speaking Arabic. One particular case that stood out for me was a patient who was a refugee and she spoke a dialect, a very less commonly spoken dialect that wasn't even available in the iPad translator. And she came in for a C-section. Um, and I can only assume that her prior doctor had some way of communicating with her and some way of consenting for the C-section. But when she came into the OR, she was visibly uncomfortable trying to pull down her gown. And I don't think she fully understood what was happening as we were like, lifting up her gown to prep her. And the thing with C-sections that's different from like different uh, other surgeries is that you're awake and it's an epidural and a seizure. So the patient is awake while all of this is happening. And that I would the whole time I was just wondering like, what is going through this woman's mind? Does she understand what's happening? And like, she's getting quality of care in terms of like, she will, she has very minimal risk to herself and minimal risk to the baby. But like, what about her dignity? Does she feel like if she could have communicated with us, would she have chosen to not have any men present in that room? Because other patients, probably, Sorry. yeah, because <laughs> other patients that I've worked with have elected for that. So would this woman have chosen that? I don't know. Did she fully understand what was happening during the procedure? She's laying there awake. She can't feel anything, but does she know? Like when we say you'll feel pressure, does she actually? know that's coming does she know that that's she's supposed to be feeling that or not there were a lot of things going through my mind at that time so I really think that technology is helping but there's still a lot of deficits and the big question is like what can we do and get better yeah at speaking and having these apps but at the same time I mean she was here and she did get a safe delivery which is ultimately the goal but I don't know about her dignity at the end of the day so that was an issue for me on the opposite end of your um, story lean 
Well, I have a question for you, Margo. Mm-hmm. Um, did they not ask her any of these questions? Like, even with the translator, you can ask, hey, do you want any men present? Or, you know what I mean? So we had the iPad translator. And I don't know if you would say mother language to the dialect uh-huh. that this woman spoke. Uh-huh. And that's how they got consent. And that's how she had been communicated with through the duration of her pregnancy. Um, but the issue with the iPad is because you're remotely connecting to someone else somewhere, there are connection issues. And this was happened to be an emergent case. Oh. And so, you know, that also throws a nail. I don't know. That throws a wrench. A wrench. <laughs> yeah. <thanks>. <laughs> Language. <laughs> throws a wrench in your plan. Um, so, yeah, I know you're right. But I think like there are ways we could have. But given the circumstance. And- I think there's a couple of things going on here. It's an emergent situation. There's a language barrier. I think in this case, and I might get some flack for this, but this is just my opinion, y'all. I think in an emergent case, I think the most important thing is to preserve the woman's life and the baby's life. Right. And I think that was the priority of the team that was working on her. Um, But good on you to think about her dignity and stuff like that, because it's something usually in an emergency case, whatever the emergency might be, it's all hands on deck. Nobody's counting who's coming into the OR. Nobody's saying anything. It's all hands on deck, right? But it would be nice to have someone there or even the person behind the the iPad there to be like, hey, everything is going to be all right. Mm -hmm. They're working on you. They're like, you know, they're just reassurance. It's like Mm -hmm. a huge thing that they probably didn't have um, during during that time. Um, And you could only imagine being in a foreign place. You don't understand the language. Something is going on with your body that you don't completely understand. You have no way to communicate with the person that's doing all of the things to your body. And you have no idea what's going on. Like, you know, you could imagine the thoughts that come to your to your brain. But how do we fix that? Like, that's a huge feat. I don't know that we can. I mean, like you said, she she spoke a dialect that was pretty rare. I feel like the hospital does what they can totally. in that case to like make sure they have their bases covered. But you know the whole emergency, uh, the rarity of the language and stuff like that make it more difficult. I think that's the importance of having um, live advocates next to you or in the clinic as well, right? I mean, especially when it comes to these, you know, we we tend to rely a lot on technology and I know there's apps coming out and we tend to throw diversity and, you know, that stuff into the back of our heads or, you know, shove it away in a closet, basically. But we don't realize how, you know, having a person there who can communicate with you directly, you know, from the team straight to you, Mm -hmm. whether and I'm not saying over a computer, I'm saying like right there. So you can also see because there's also a lot of, you know, body communication that we tend to use as well as we talk and that just means the whole world i think in terms of actually getting the message across like you can show her an interpretation you can show they know how to read you like there's a lot of assumptions made behind that i think that's really important what you just said lean um and i did have a case of a patient that did have a translator in the room and was taken back to the or without the translator without an ipad and again it was another case where they're awake during the procedure with an epidural um, general, not not general anesthesia, but an epidural anesthesia. And this woman, um, she reached out to me, like her hand, you know, body language is universal. And I could tell she was just really 
insecure and maybe just needed some. So she like reached out and I held her hand. I ended up holding her hand through the duration of the procedure. But I think like what you said, there is something to be said for having that person, whether that like having a translator or someone there is very valuable to the patient, whether we can do that, especially in an emergent situation or given the resources and where we live is possible is a whole nother thing. Like, I don't know. I feel like the whole holdup is resources, right? Yeah. In an ideal world, (laughs) you'd have someone there that can speak every language on the face of the earth, no matter, you know, no matter how rare the language is, but it's just not feasible. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think in an area such as Salt Lake who ha- that has a high percentage of Latinos, high percentage of refugees from a like different different yeah. background, Somali, Burmese, lots of lots of uh, refugees. I think those like majority languages of and the patients that you see, you should have those uh, interpreters ready to go. Yeah. Um, but I feel like there's always going to be a communication problem because even within this different subsets of cultures, I understand with I'm with the Somali person. I understand that there are certain topics that are like, oh, you know, you don't talk about that. This is very touchy. And so I might not be able I might not be the best person to be in an interpreter for that. Like there's certain cultural things also that get in the way. And I don't know that it'll ever get fixed. So I don't like I know there is an issue. I just don't know that there is a solution to completely absolve everything. So um, I actually really like that Lean and Margot, you both gave a important example that were kind of like opposites. Like here was a situation where you knowing the culture, Lean, and knowing the context, it helped you. And then Margot, there was a situation where you wish that was something that was there and it wasn't there. I think it's really important before we even have this conversation to understand language. Language is so complex, like it carries with it. Like you said, it carries with it these things that only a certain person could understand, you know. And so the reason that I'm bringing that up is that like there are spaces where, you know, even me as a Punjabi, I speak Punjabi and Hindi, but Punjabi has a ton of different dialects as well. So it's like really hard to understand some certain words or people wouldn't understand things the way that they wish they did. I think there's a lot of things we as like future physicians can do. I think the number one thing is there's a million situations in where we have to find new ways to diagnose and treat patients. So I think that's really where like we have to use our critical thinking skills. I know this is something I always talk about, but that's where I think critical thinking comes into the picture. Um, I do want to add there is no solution, solid solution, but the solutions I find is one critically thinking. This is a reason why it's important to have like diverse um, backgrounds like go into different fields, right? Like when they say, why is it important to have diversity? It's because these things matter and they impact people's health care. So like retaining and also recruiting those like voices are important. Like I said, when you communicate with a patient, there's more things going in than just this word is translated to this, right? Lean, your story is so beautiful. That's kind of like the epitome of like, how an interaction should be, right? Like you took all those things into their context. 
you know, not only like recruiting, but retraining diverse faculty and like getting people interested in medicine. You know, there's these large communities getting going into those communities, finding either interpreters or encouraging those those individuals to go into healthcare. Right. I think that's so, so valuable. Yeah. I mean, we had a primary care uh, provider and he was Vietnamese and mm-hmm. he's like first language is Vietnamese. And we went to him. He doesn't he's not Somali and he doesn't know our culture that well. But a lot of Somali people go to him. And I always wondered, hmm, I wonder why, even though we come from different backgrounds. Right. Our experiences are very similar. Yeah. And he understands those similarities and was able to cater to cater to that. What you said about recruiting diverse um diversity in healthcare, in, you know, business, in all of these different facets of, you know, professions actually does a great deal of good and not necessarily for that person's one area or one, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a vast variety of, of different cultures because as minorities, we tend to go through the same experiences right. and it's nice to have someone who's gone through similar experiences because they tend to tend to have that understanding, that background with, along with it. And so, yeah, I really appreciate that you said that, Bushra. And honestly, there isn't like a straightforward solution, but this is one that I think can be sustainable and is important. So I think one thing that we all four of us truly believe, and I think what motivates us in medicine is that we remember that medicine is a universal language um, and it's it's a universal science and thus it can be translated into a universal language for all to understand. And I think that motivates all of us to bring the different walks of backgrounds and cultures and ideas into medicine so that we can cater it because it is, in the end, we all have the same physiology. If any... Um, of our listeners have any experiences that they had with um, what am I trying to say basically does anybody have any uh, like stories of when they tried to communicate versus translate oh yeah that's great that's great 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 I love it so much just say it like that for any of our listeners if you have a story where you had to um, translate versus interpret for to get a message across in a situation we would love to hear it Um, you can message us and communicate with us through Facebook, on Twitter, as well as Instagram. Oh, I have a great Instagram question for that. Thank you all for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>